We've been on lockdown, in lockdown here at Riverside Baptist Church for about six weeks because of coronavirus, COVID-19. And during that time, we've been able to continue to have services, which I'm very, very thankful over the internet. And it's just by the good grace of God that He has continued to work. God has continued to work even during this time. And not only in the lives of the members of Riverside Baptist Church, but in the lives of others that have joined us for our online services even around the world. And I truly do not believe that we will know the full extent of what God has done during this time until we get to glory. I believe that God has done some amazing things. But I do know this. I know it is only by God's amazing grace that we have been able to continue in such a fashion. Only by His grace that we've been able to do that. Of course, He gets all the glory for that. And we would never... We would, we would have never experienced such except for the fact that we came to know Christ as our personal Savior because of His saving grace, His wonderful saving grace. Ephesians chapter 2 verse number 1 says, And you hath He quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in times past you walked according to the course of this world according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in time past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy... For His great love, wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come He might show the exceeding riches of His grace and His kindness toward us through Jesus Christ. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God had before ordained that we should walk in them. Um, I'm going to try to preach to you this morning by the good grace of God, the wonderful saving grace of God. Let's pray. We'll get going. Father, I thank you uh, that uh, you have given us the ability to join together even when we can't join together. And even as I stated earlier, um, your power is unlimited. You can reach uh, through the airwaves, through um, computer screens, uh, phone screens, TV screens. Uh, Lord, you can deal with people's hearts. I, I, I know that is absolutely the truth. And we ask that you would do that this morning. We ask that your precious spirit would arrest our attention. We pray for those that do not know the Lord Jesus Christ. They have no assurance of their salvation. I, I pray for them this morning, Lord, that you would speak clearly to them, that you would convince them that that is their greatest need, that they would get that settled today, Lord. It's, 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 the greatest, it's the greatest choice that we make while we're living, whether or not that we're going to trust Christ as our Savior. I, I pray that folks would do that today. 
We, we, we pray for your power. We pray for unction. We pray for Holy Spirit boldness. Uh, give us clarity of thought and mind. Help us to stay on track as we bring forth this message um, for your honor and your glory. And we'll thank you for it. For we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for standing for the reading of the Word of God. And please do be seated. I really do believe that Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 and 9 are verses that every child of God should memorize. I believe we should all have that set to memory. For by grace are you saved through faith, Um, uh, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Uh, I'm not saved because I'm a good person. I'm saved by the grace of God. I'm not saved because I'm a Baptist, but I'm, I'm saved because of the grace of God. I'm not saved because I was baptized. I'm not saved because I did some special work. I'm not saved because I put money in the offering plate. I'm not saved because I was sprinkled as a baby, which I wasn't. I'm not saved for any other reason except for the mighty, wonderful, saving grace of God. It's just by the grace of God that I'm saved. And if you're saved this morning, it's only by His wonderful grace that you are saved. Salvation is God's gift, and it's offered to us by God's grace. You can't earn it, you can't buy it, you, 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 you'll never deserve it, but you can have it. You can have it if you'll accept it as a gift of God's grace. It's the only way that we can, it's the only way that we can get it. That's the fundamental difference between authentic biblical Christianity and every other religion in the world. It's, 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 it's every other religion tells us what you must do to be saved. Um, the Bible tells what God has done to save you, to save me. And every other religion tells you to try, but God tells you to trust. And they tell you to behave, and God tells you to believe. I'm so thankful that God made it simple for us. I'm so thankful that He paid the price for it. Many worry that they're not good enough to get saved. And let me just tell you, they're not. They're not good enough to get saved. Some say, that, some say that they think that they have done enough good in their life to be saved. They haven't. Uh, some believe that they're saved just because they've been baptized. But water doesn't save anyone. It's never washed away one sin. Some believe if they pray enough prayers that those prayers are going to get them to heaven. But they won't. There is only one way to be saved. And all the work for that has already been done. It's already been completed. When Jesus died on the cross all those years ago, his last words were, it is finished. And he didn't say, I am finished. Oh, no, 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 because his work wasn't done yet. He's still at work. He's still working today. He is saving sinners. He is changing lives. No, he said, it is finished. The work of the cross that day had been completed. Nothing could be added to it. When he shed his blood, when he gave up the ghost on the cross that day, he had done all the physical work that needed to be done. And because of what he did, uh, it is because of what he did that God can say to us today, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I'm thankful for that one wonderful, wonderful saving grace. So, I want to look this morning at four aspects of God's saving grace. Let's look first at the reach of God's saving grace. Uh, Verse number one there, once again, says, and you. The reach. (laughs) 
No, I'm saying it reaches even you. It reaches even me. For 2,000 plus years now, people have, have been learning this wonderful truth about God's grace. And here's the truth. Excuse me. No one can sink so deeply into sin or no one can stray so far away from God that he or she cannot be reached by God's wonderful saving grace. No, no, no. The, the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ cleanses even the deepest stain of sin. Uh, our, our daughter, Emily, was driving west on I-40 years ago and came to the realization that she was not saved. And she pulled over on the Tiger Mountain Road exit and called out to God. She trusted Christ as her Savior. They're sitting in her pickup that she had at a time. And when she pulled back out on that highway, she had been born again. Well, how come, preacher? She simply trusted Christ, what Christ had done for her on the cross all those years ago. Uh, my dear wife, Miss Pam, uh, was 23 years old, and she's watching television and, and a television evangelist one day when she realized that she had never truly trusted Christ as her personal Savior. And she bowed her head and she put her faith and trust in what Jesus had done on the cross as she asked God to save her soul and was gloriously saved in our living room on, on that, that, that day. One morning, a, a little over 10 years ago, after attending our church for several weeks, uh, Brother Rhett Sherman realized that he needed the forgiveness of his sin that God was offering. And he came down to the altar after the morning sermon. He called out to God to forgive him and, and, and save him. And that morning, all of Brett's sin was forgiven and his life was changed. Amen. Amen. About nine years ago uh, at, at family camp, Brother D. Hager asked me to go to the altar with him to pray. When we got down there, he told me that he was not saved, that he was lost. And although that he had made a profession sometime before, a few years before that, but that morning there at an altar at family camp, Brother D called out to God. He put his faith in Jesus Christ alone and God saved his soul. Amen. I'm so thankful. No, no, no. There wasn't any hoops to jump through. There wasn't any long extended thing that needed to be done. They put their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he saved their soul right there. And there's story after story after story after story of salvation represented in Riverside Baptist Church. And I'm talking about from the drunks and the drug addicts that have been saved to those that were raised in church right here and lived good lives that ended up getting saved by the grace of God. God. And the truth of the matter is that God's saving grace can reach anyone and it can reach anywhere. I'm thankful for the wonderful saving grace of God. I mean, even think about the thief on the cross. Jesus was first crucified and then on either side of him, these thieves were crucified. And as Jesus hung on the cross that morning, the Bible tells us that the people railed on him and the priests, the religious people, People mocked him, and even at first the thieves that were hanging there on his left and right hand, they did the same thing. Matthew 27, 44 says, the thieves also which were crucified with him cast the same in his teeth. Mark 15, 32, and they that were crucified with him reviled him. And it wasn't until later on in that day that one of the thieves saw something that caused him to have a change of heart, whatever it may have been. And from on that cross, the thief who had cursed Jesus and mocked him 
asked him to save him. Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus answered him immediately, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. All it takes is a belief that the Lord Jesus Christ is the Messiah, that he is the Savior of the world, that we put our faith and trust in him and what he has done for us, and you can be saved by his wonderful grace. Even a thief that's nailed to the cross crucified for crimes, was not beyond the reach of God's saving grace. Amen. Somebody say amen right there. I'm telling you, he didn't have to come down off the cross and be baptized. No, sir. He was saved right there when he put his faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's think for a minute about the result of God's saving grace. Verse 1 again. And you hath he quickened. Hath he quickened. That word quickened just may, it means made alive. Now, come on, once again, it's talking about us and talking about you and me. And you that have put your faith and trust in Christ hath he made alive. There's a modern technology today called cryonics, a low temperature preparation of the bodies of the dead, preservation of the bodies of the dead. Um, The premise behind cryonics is that humans are not dead in the clinical sense of the word as long as the cell structure in their body can be maintained in a preserved state. And those that that advocate this process believe that memory and personality and, and identity are stored chemically within our cell structure and primarily in the cells of the brain. And by preserving bodies of those who have died at a very low temperature of minus 321 degrees, minus 321 degrees Fahrenheit, they hope to actually preserve the the person who lives inside that body chemically and figure out how to bring them back to life sometime in the future. Now, let me tell you what's wrong with that. Uh, Man is not a creature made of chemicals. No, our body is made of chemicals, don't get me wrong, but man is not a creature made of chemicals. Man is creation of God with a body, a soul, and a spirit. And when this body, whether it's through old age or an accident or disease, ceases to function in a manner to preserve that physical existence, the soul and the spirit, that which makes us a person, leave the body and go out into eternity. And so you, the real you, will exist somewhere forever in a heavenly home prepared by God for those that have trusted Christ as their Savior, or in a very real place called hell. And what makes the difference is whether we go out into eternity spiritually, get this, spiritually dead in our trespasses and sins, or spiritually alive in Christ. We're going to leave this world either spiritually dead in our trespasses and sins, or spiritually alive in the Lord Jesus Christ. And God's saving grace takes those who were once spiritually dead in sins and makes them alive in Christ. And you hath he quickened, made alive. That's what the word quickened means. God takes those who are spiritually dead, separated from God by their sins, and gives them a new life in Christ. You need to understand this. People in this world, this is going to get so deep, People in this world are physically alive. Well, it took me a while to figure that one out. 
real deep there, wasn't it? Okay, some of you don't have a sense of humor. That's deep. But here's the point. No, 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 listen to me. Please, please stay with me. They breathe, they eat, they walk, they talk, they work, they play. They are physically alive. They're very much alive physically, people in this world. But many are dead. Many are dead. Many, many, many are dead spiritually. Many are dead spiritually. They've never put their faith and trust in Christ. They've never been quickened. They've never been made alive. No, no, no. And and unless they receive this new life in Jesus, they will go out into eternity still dead in their sins to be separated forever from God in a very real place called hell. And that's why Jesus himself said, ye must be born again. You have to be born again. We need new life. And the result of God's saving grace is life. And it's a new life. A life that's never been possessed before. Uh, That's why salvation is called a new birth. I mean, you think about it with me. When a baby is born, a new life comes into this world. Little boy, little girl. I said, it's either a little boy or a little girl. There's no mix-up with God anyway. That's a whole different message. No, no, when a baby is born, comes in, there's this new life, comes into the world, one that has never lived before. And when a person gets saved by the grace of God, they receive a life that they never had before. It was a life unlike the life they used to have. It's a life they never have had before. It's No, no, it's a spiritual life. It's a life that comes from God. It's a life that only God can give. Jesus said that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. It's also an eternal life. Hallelujah. That means it's life without end. Well, preacher, when do we get eternal life? As soon as we're born again, we get eternal life. No, no, no. I already have eternal life. I have eternal life. When this body dies, when it falls over dead, whenever that time might be, I'm still going to be alive as I've ever been. Amen. I have eternal life. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. If life is going to last forever, that's eternal. You can't take that away. John 10, 28 says, Jesus said, and I give them eternal life. Romans 6, 23, the gift of God is eternal life. This life that we get from the Lord Jesus Christ when we put our faith and trust in him is eternal life. And it's a newness of life. I'm thankful for that. It is the ability to live like you've never lived before. It's a changed life. In the past, we walked in the course of this world. In the past, we lived in disobedience to God. In the past, we were controlled by sinful lust. In the past, we lived under the wrath of God, doing the very things that make a holy God angry. But salvation means, listen to me please, salvation means that we don't have to live like that anymore. We don't have to live like that anymore. No, no, it's possible once we're saved that we would uh, go ahead and live that way. We don't have to. We don't have to. We're no longer bound by sin. God gives us new life. Our, our life can be marked by newness, something we've not experienced before. We make choices unlike the choices we used to make because 
uh, uh, God has given us victory in our lives by the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ in this new life. We enjoy things we never enjoyed before. We want to do things that we never wanted to do before, like read the Bible and pray and go to church and sing songs unto the Lord and treat people better than we ever have before. No, no, God changes us in that way. And it's all because we've been saved by the wonderful grace of God. But there's reasoning, reasons for this. Reason for God's saving grace. Look at verse number four with me. It says, but God, we'll stop there for a minute. The main reason for God's saving grace is, but God. We were dead in our trespasses and sin, but God. He makes a big difference. Read on with me there, verse 4. It says, but God, who is rich in mercy, hallelujah, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. So you and I were dead, dead in trespasses and sins. We were deserving of hell, the hell that was waiting for us. But God, in His great grace, reached out to save our souls. Well, how come, preacher? Because He's rich in mercy. No, it said right there. Because our God is rich in mercy. He's rich in mercy. I'm thankful that His mercies are new every day, too. Now, I've been saved by the grace of God. That His mercy is always there for us. And we know that God is rich in every way, don't we? Oh, absolutely so. One commentator wrote this. He said, we will never fully know how rich God is until we, re- we arrive at our heavenly home. Then we will see how he paves the streets with gold, builds walls of jasper, makes foundations with precious stones, forms gates of pearl. He is rich in wisdom, rich in majesty, rich in might, and rich in glory. And we know this He is rich in mercy. No, 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 no. None of that would mean anything to us if God was not rich in mercy. It is because that He is so merciful that He offers to save us by His grace. It is only because of His mercy. But He also has great love for us. It says that too. For His great love wherewith He loved us. He's rich in mercy, but he had great love for us. Now, I don't fully understand that. And I'm just talking about Bill Marshall. I just don't fully understand why he loved me. I still don't fully understand why he loves me. But I know that he has great love beyond our comprehension. I know we're to love others the way he loves us. That's setting the bar high, isn't it? But I know that he loves us in an incredible, incredible way. One day, a little boy looked up at his dad and he said, Dad, how does God love us? And his father said, God loves us with an unconditional love. He loves us unconditionally. And that little boy thought for a minute, you could see the wheels are turning and he Turned around and said, Daddy, what, what is unconditional love? 
And the dad thought about it for a minute, and he said, uh, do you remember those uh, two boys that used to live next door? He said, do you remember that cute little puppy they got for Christmas that time? And do you remember how um, ornery they were? How they used to tease it, throw rocks at it, throw sticks at it, or just didn't treat it well? That little fella said, yeah, yeah, yes, Dad, I, I, I do remember that. His dad went on, he said, well, do you remember how that little pup would always greet them wagging his tail, wanting to lick them in the face? Which the little boy said, yes. And dad said, well, that puppy had unconditional love. The boys didn't deserve the love their puppy was showing them. Because they were mean to him. But he loved them anyway. And then the dad went on to make his point, to which he said, God's love for us is also unconditional. Because um, there were men that um, treated God's son Jesus terribly. They beat him. They whipped him, they spit on him, they cursed him, they mocked him, made fun of him, nailed him to a cross to die. And in spite of all of that, Jesus loved them anyway and offered to forgive them. That is God's great love. Great enough to love us in spite of our worst sins. No, I'm saying that we could have been the ones there with the hammers in our hands. Beating the nails through his hands and feet. And he still would have loved us. We could have been one, one of the ones that walked by the cross as he hung there shedding his life's blood and stuck out our tongue and made fun, mocked him and ridiculed him. And still, he would have loved us more than we can understand. And so whatever sin that we may have committed in our life during the time we've been here on earth, we need to understand he loves us in spite of us. In spite of what we've done. In spite of how we've been. He loves us. God's love was great enough that He would send His only begotten Son to die for us on the cross. And He continues to love us like that. Unconditional love. Love of God. That He would reach out. That He would reach out all those years ago to a hopeless sinner that cared nothing about him, that had mocked him at times, ridiculed him, even denied his existence with my own mouth. 
and still he reached out to me and showed his love to me when I didn't deserve it at all. Not at all. Loved me. And it brought about a response. God's wonderful love and grace, it it brought about a response. Verse number 8 says, For by grace are you saved through faith. Faith. We got it. We've, we've got, we've got, we've, salvation is a gift. The salvation of God is a gift. Gift doesn't cost anything. Because a gift that costs something is not a gift. We get, you get those things in the mail, you see it on TV. Well, we're going to offer you this free gift for $19.95. Sorry, you pay for it, it's not a gift. Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death. Payment for sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. But that gift is received by faith. It's the only way to receive it. He offers it to us, but it can only be received by faith. Faith. I looked in my old 1828 Webster's Dictionary, and one of the definitions of faith was this one. In theology... The ascent of the mind or understanding to the truth of what God has revealed. Simple belief in the scriptures of the being and perfections of God and of the existence, character, and doctrines of Christ. It's in a nutshell. Why? How can I be saved? Believe what the Bible says. No, 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 take God at His word. Believe that Jesus Christ died for you and your sin and trust Him for what He has done. By faith. A person believes that they're lost, spiritually dead in sin, and then they have to believe what God says. By faith. I've never seen God. I've never seen Jesus. I've not had a glimpse of heaven. By faith that morning I trusted Christ. By faith I believed what the Bible said. That Jesus died for the sin of mankind. That would include a Bill Marshall. By faith if I would just trust what he did. That he would save my soul. Guarantee I'm not the sharpest crayon in the box. I may not even have all my crayons. I'm not sure. But it was simple enough for me that all I had to do was just turn my heart to God. Desire what He 
was offering me. And receive it. And receive it. Simple enough that a small child can do it. But out there for anyone of any age. Accepted. By faith. We have to believe what God says. We have to believe that our good works will never be good enough to get us to heaven. It's not anything that we have done. It's everything that He has done. It's not... Well, I've just got to be a better person. It's not goodness that we need. We need new life. We need spiritual life. We need to be born from above. Well, I need to clean up my life to come to God. That's not going to work. It don't work. It don't work. No, no, no. We come to God just as we are. We put our faith and trust in what He has done, and then He cleans up our life. He guides us. He's, he directs us. He gives us this new life. To be born again. We must believe that Jesus died on the cross for the sins of all men of all time. We have to stop believing everything else that we thought might save us. We believe Jesus Christ died for us, shed his blood. That he laid in the tomb for three days, and three nights, and that he rose from the dead. The very begotten Son of God. He paid our sin debt. And we have to believe in Christ alone for our salvation. It's only Him. Not anything I ever did. Not anything I ever could do. It's all of Him. As a young man years ago, John Wesley decided to become a priest like his father his father was a priest and in college he founded a group called the holy club to encourage others uh, that were there other students to work harder at obtaining personal holiness was the the uh, uh, reason that he wanted to start this club And yet, no matter how many hours he prayed and how many hours he read his Bible, no matter how much time he devoted to uh, works of uh, charity and to ministry, he never felt good enough. Never felt like he attained what he needed to. And because of that, he often wondered whether or not he would really make it to heaven when he died. So he determined, what he determined to do, John Wesley is, he determined to work harder and do more for God. I'll just do more for God. I'll get more involved. I'll I'll do more things. And so he volunteered to sail over here to America and do missionary work among the Indians. And as he was sailing across the Atlantic, His uh, ship that he was on encountered a hurricane. They were going through a horrible storm. And on board the same ship was a group of German immigrants. 
And during that storm, these German immigrants, they held a worship service. Storm started, they went down below, down below deck and started a worship service. Um, and Mr. Wesley went down to join them. And he wrote of this experience in his uh, journal. And he said that the sea broke over the sides of the ship, split the mainsail, poured into the lower decks, uh, water was coming in, and, and uh, he wrote that a uh, terrible screaming broke out. Screaming, people screaming, among the English who were aboard the ship. But the Germans just continued to sing hymns. They just kept on singing to the Lord. <clears throat> and it made Mr. Wesley very confused. <laughs> what in the world's going on? I mean, he was afraid that the ship was about to sink and that everyone on there would die. And the Germans in their worship service seemed to have no fear whatsoever. And after the storm had passed and things had settled, Mr. Wesley asked one of them, said, were you not afraid? To which the man very quickly answered, no. And when he pressed him to know why this man uh, um, was not afraid, the man asked him, he said, do you know Jesus Christ? To which Mr. Wesley said, well, I know that he is the Savior of the world. The man said, true, but do you know that he has saved you? Mr. Wesley answered, well, I hope that he has died to save me. And the man asked him, he said, but do you know yourself that you are saved? To which Mr. Wesley answered, I do. But later on he wrote in his journal that he knew those words were a lie. When he told the man he knew that he was saved, he, said, he wrote he knew that that was a lie, that he didn't know. And he was working as hard as any man could work to try to get into heaven, doing a whole lot more than most men would have ever done, but he, sure, um, he wasn't sure that he was good enough. And if he had died right then, uh, it said that he could not shake the belief that he'd go to hell. And so Mr. Wesley, he, he completed his mission uh, to the Indians. And all the while in doing that, doing this work for God, he was struggling with doubts about his salvation. And finally the day came that they boarded ship and went back to England. When he got back there, he uh, talked to his fellow Anglicans about his doubts. <laughs> but they didn't offer any help. Just need to pray more, John. Work harder, John. Read the Bible more, John. Finally, Mr. Wesley made three important decisions. He, he decided to begin to spend time with those who had assurance of their salvation. Picked out a group of people that knew 
that they were saved by God's grace. And number two, he began to pray. And he started asking God to show him how to be sure that he was saved. Lord, you show me. Come on, after all, it is him that saves us. And he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And so he started hanging out with people that knew that they were saved. They had that assurance. And he began to pray and asking God to show him how he could be sure he was saved. And the third thing is he renounced Listen to me. No, listen. He renounced all dependence on his own works for salvation. I know it's nothing I can do, God. I've tried it all. Prayer, Bible reading, fasting, ministry work. Because he was sure that there must be a sure way to be saved. On May the 24th, 1738, Mr. Wesley found the assurance that he had been looking for. While sitting in a uh, small church and listening to the sermon, the truth finally came to him. And he understood that salvation was by grace, not works. By grace, not works. That it came to this. It came to trusting Christ alone as Savior and not trying to earn it. Just trusting Christ and what he's done. And when he got home that night, he wrote of that experience these words. An assurance was given me that he, God, had taken away my sins, even mine, and saved me. (laughs) No, 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 please, 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 come on. He surrendered to be a priest. Went to preschool, whatever that is. All of his priestly buddies, the Anglicans, they couldn't help him to know about salvation because they were all doing the same thing. They were trying to work to get it. He read his Bible. He prayed. He did charity work. He did missions work. And nothing ever got him there. And so he goes to a church service, sits there, the sermon Whatever it may have been, God spoke to his heart and said, what you need to do is you just need to put all your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And he did. And that, very simply, at that point, God saved his soul. I'm very thankful it's nothing that I do. Because if there's anything that I did, I could mess it up. It's everything that he has already done. The reach of God's saving grace is that it reaches out to everyone everywhere. And it may be very well may be reaching out to you this morning. 
And the result of God's saving grace is this, new life. New life, eternal life. Forgiveness of sin and being born again, given a new life. And the reason for God's saving grace is because God is rich in mercy and because He loves us more than we can understand. His love is unconditional. And He doesn't want people to die in their sins. No, 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 no. He wants them uh, to be saved by their grace. But there has to be a response. The response is you must, like John Wesley, Wesley, stop trying to find salvation on what you do. Stay with me. Come on. Write it down. You have to quit trying to find salvation in what you do or what you think. And you have to believe what Christ has done to save you. You must trust Christ personally to be your Savior. Yours. To which people have said for centuries, too simple, preacher. That's just too simple. That's much too simple. I can't believe that you even believe like that. We have got to do something around. That's just too simple. Whoa, 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 wait, 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 wait. God made it simple. God made it simple. Oh, it was costly for God. His only begotten Son, but He made it simple for you and I. And that is part of what makes the wonderful saving grace of God so amazing. That a hopeless drug addict could get down beside his coffee table and call on God and God save him just like that. That his wonderful wife, a year later, could sit in front of a television set listening to a TV preacher and realize I'm, I'm lost as I can be. I need Christ as my Savior and trust Christ and just like that be saved. That somebody can be driving down the highway and realize I'm lost and pull over on the side of the road and be saved by God's grace. That somebody can sit in a church service and realize I'm lost, I've got to be saved, and all they do is make the way to the altar and say, I trust, I trust Christ as my Savior, be saved just like that. The wonderful saving grace of God. And here's the thing. It's available today. If you don't have it settled, why don't you decide to get it settled? Because it truly is as simple as taking God at His word, putting your faith in what Christ has done for you, confessing yourself a sinner, unable to save yourself, and asking Him to save your soul. Well, well, what if he doesn't? God's not a liar. And he said, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. God's not a liar. He's never turned anyone away. And he's not going to turn you away. No. I would encourage you not to wait another minute. I, I want to encourage you to put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ even now. You can know that you know that you've been saved by the grace of God if you're just willing to believe what God says about that. Turn to Him. And by faith, trust Him to save your soul.
Would you bow your heads with me for just a moment? Heavenly Father, I don't know. I don't know how you may have spoken to hearts today. I don't know who's listening, who's watching. I have no, I have no idea who all may be out there. But I do know this. Your saving grace is real. I know that because I've experienced it in my own life. And I have watched others through these 36 years of me being saved. I've watched others, even my own family, just put their, simply put their faith and trust in what Jesus Christ did for them on the cross. And I've watched you save their soul. Give them new life. Lord, you want to continue to do that. And even today, you may have spoken to someone's heart. And I pray, Father, that they would take advantage. I, I pray that even now, that they would... That they, would, that they would sincerely call out to you. That they would trust what Christ did for them on that cross all those years ago. That he did come. That he was born of a virgin. That he lived a perfect life. That he died on the cross and shed his blood for the sin of mankind. That he rose from the dead three days later. Victorious over sin. Victorious over death and hell that they would put their faith and trust in Christ before it's too late. And no matter how young or how old, Lord, as they come to an understanding, they're willing to call upon you. I know you'll save their soul. I pray that happened today. Lord, for us that are saved, my prayer this morning is that we would remember this. We know it but we would remember what you've done for us and that we would have more of a desire to let others know so that they might be saved. Thank you for the wonderful saving grace of God. I pray your perfect will would be done in each life. And thank you for it in Jesus' name. Bronner's going to play the piano very softly for a moment. Maybe you are... Maybe God has spoken to your heart. You know that you need Christ as your Savior. Why don't you take this opportunity? Why don't you take this time? Just put your faith and trust in Him. It's just as simple as turning your heart to God. Calling out. Asking Him to forgive your sin. Save your soul. He'll do it. Right where you are. You do that this morning greatest decision you'll ever make.